Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope you all are thriving and surviving, especially this heat, man. Go get a glass of water before you sit down. And, And, you know, thank you for taking the time out to be with us. So it is that time again where we welcome back Chef George Ashford of CBB Stroke. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am great, T. How about yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. Always great to have you back on and uh, to give us the um, 411 on what, what you got cooking. And, you know, I asked you, I guess, a, a few weeks ago uh, or a week or so ago maybe to maybe do a little slight twist on today's um, menu because uh, the kids are going back to school and we wanted to kind of talk, focus in on them a little bit. So um, what are you suggesting these days for uh, keeping the kids, I guess, um, fed and fit? Well, that's, uh, I'm glad you asked me this question. Uh, one of the, the visions of our catering business, our private school lunch program, And with that, we actually prepare a lot of different meals. But if you're going to prepare a meal at home, I'm going to give you a couple different options. Um, The first thing I would like the parents to do if they're preparing the meals at home is to actually get the safety type of uh, coolers. I know back in the day we used to have those little metal coolers and they looked nice and everything. But as you mentioned earlier, in this heat, safety is an issue. And so you want to try to keep the integrity of the food. I suggest getting um, those insulated bags as opposed to the, the metal ones with all the cartoons on them because it's going to hold uh, your child's food better and safer. Also get gel packs. Um, you can purchase them at the department stores and the different box stores. And basically they're gel packs that you can put in the freezer and get them just completely frozen. Put one at the bottom of that uh, of their lunch and put one on the top. And this is going to help keep the integrity of the food before your child eats it, especially in this in this heat, you know, 9500 degree heat. So a couple things you can do. And what brings to mind is a is the if you I always say to parents, because we put together a very comprehensive school lunch program for these students, and they want us to feed them healthy. They want us to feed the kids healthy, which we do. We intersperse food that kids like, and we intersperse it with 
um, healthy food too. But the problem lies that if the parent is not actually feeding them um, in this way at home when they get to the school lunch program, they reject the healthy food that we're trying to serve them. So always one of the one of the tools is that basically, you know, you have a continuity of feeding your child. So one particular item which I think is really, really good and I think is a great way to parents to package a healthy meal for their kids is to have the grilled chicken breast. We talked about how it's prepared on the grill. You can do it on a flat top or, or iron skillet if you wish, or even just a regular skillet. It marinated chicken breast season the way that the kids like, and then you're going to let it uh, uh, chill in the refrigerator, and you julienne slice it, put it in a little uh, a wrap, a little uh, well, like a quarter bag wrap, and separate it from the lettuce and the different ingredients that you want to put the, the other items. You can put uh, pita bread with it uh, so you can make a sandwich out of it. You can put lettuce, tomatoes. Uh, different items, and you can even have uh, items such as grapes, a cluster of grapes for dessert. You can uh, put in um, uh, like an apple or something of that nature. So the child has a combination of a salad that he can make or she can make, or they can have an actual uh, sandwich. They can make a sandwich out of it too. And they have all the different ingredients that you put in the salad, the things that you may want to see your child eat. And, again, you know, you feed them healthy at home. We continue to feed them healthy in school. One of the things we do at the school lunch program for a hot meal, we actually prepare uh, some of the meals with um, um, we have mashed potatoes. We mix in um, cauliflower mashed potatoes with the regular mashed potatoes, unnoticeable. Kids can't even determine, they can't detect the difference. So they're eating some cauliflower with the mashed potatoes. It's probably about, uh, probably <laughs> half and half. <clears throat> so we season it nicely. Um, we also prepare our grilled, uh, I mean, we also have uh, uh, chicken tenders that we hand slice and we actually prepare them. We roast them, um, uh, the chicken tenders, as opposed to deep frying. And it's a very, very light uh, seasoning that we put on them and roast them in the oven. And then we serve um, some sort of vegetable. You know, we generally like to do a frozen type of vegetable, frozen mixed vegetable or something of that nature. Uh, they have um, uh, different types of uh, uh, mixed vegetables that we that we change up. Um, that's one of the things that we do on our school lunch program. The kids love it. Uh, they can't tell the difference and they're eating a bit healthier. We try to always offset their uh, dessert uh, five days a week. They have their dessert four days a week of some sort of fruit, whether it's a good quality canned fruit in the juice as opposed to the syrup, or it's a fresh fruit. And then uh, on Saturday, we kind of lax up a little bit, let them have a pizza, and then we intersperse it with some sort of sweet dessert, a uh, slice of cake or, or cookies and uh, and, it, and that's always accompanied with a salad or baby petite carrots uh, for dipping with ranch dressing. You were talking about the chicken earlier, um, and yes. that's always good to have some cut-up chicken on the side, whether it's 
for salad or a pizza or a fajita or, or whatever you've got. Um, but my concern, um, because one of the, I, I really was not, have, wasn't a big fan of chicken breast for a while because it seems like uh, it, it, it's, if it's not cooked right, it can be kind of dry. So do you have any suggestions on how to really prepare chicken breast so that it's, it's not dried out and it's flavorful and, and moist? Yes, I do. One one of the things that we do is we prepare it in a – we marinate the chicken breast uh, in the beginning. And all chicken breast is not the same. You want to try to get something a little bit uh, that has – I'm not saying that necessarily have to be free-range. I personally use a free-range um, chicken breast because it's not – it's how it's, uh, it's how it's actually grown. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can have – yeah, it makes a difference. But um, – and what they're fed, too. That's, the, that's also very important. But if you get a quality chicken breast, you take that chicken breast, you're going to marinate the chicken breast. And in, inside of uh, like an Italian dressing, it's, it's very simple marinade. You can add to that Italian dressing like a lemon pepper seasoning. You can put in there. There's a there's a wonderful seasoning that has a combination of papaya and, and lemon and orange and, and very little salt. Actually, no salt in it. And uh, you can you can add a little bit of that to it. Um, uh, and then add just a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper in that Italian dressing, whisk it together, and then put your chicken breast in to marinate. It doesn't take long to marinate chicken breast. You can marinate it for an hour or even a half hour, 35 minutes. It will absorb a lot of the fluid. And then let it rest for, after you take it out, kind of pad dry it a little bit. Um, at, at the restaurant, we would grill it. You don't necessarily have to do that. Mm-hmm. That could be an extra step. But at the restaurant, we would actually grill the chicken breast in that marinade, and we would grill it very, very lightly. All the way, we, the, the score marks would be on all the sides, and it would be charred, but it would still be not completely cooked in the center. Then we would finish it in the oven. And what you want mm-hmm. your chicken to reach is a temperature of 165 degrees, you know, in order to kill all the bacteria and germs. So um, at least 165 degrees. And so well, that marinade is going to help to allow that chicken breast to be juicy, moist. There's different things you can put into it, too, if you, just depending on the flavor that you're looking for. You can take olive oil, um, put in lemon juice and as an acidity. You can put in just a dash of lime juice, not too much, because you don't want to cook the chicken breast. Um, right. And also, adding, yeah, I love a lot of different uh, uh, tropical flavors like uh, and citrus flavors like lemon, orange, uh, a lot of those different flavors like that. Papaya, uh, and it's a lot of exotic uh, spices. Don't be afraid to experiment with different things. Depends on what you like. But at the same time, by adding that moisture to the chicken breast, it's going to give it more flavor and keep it moist when you finish cooking it. Okay. So, and, and I'm glad you mentioned about, you know, do, do, making sure that uh, we practice some of this stuff at, at home because, um, and, and that was one of the things I have to credit my mom for is, you know, getting me to, uh, you know, enjoy a variety of vegetables, you know. Um, I, make, I, I made salads when I got home from 
school in the afternoons, you know, uh, because, yeah, if, if they're not used to eating, and, and by changing up some of the habits for the kids at home, you kind of change them up for yourself, you know, if you're experiencing health problems of your own, you know, diabetes, blood pressure, whatever, you know, if you're, you, you modify, you know, the, the lifestyle at home, then, you know, it, it's not going to be so hard when they go out there because I, I was talking to recently with a, um, a cafeteria uh, worker at one of the elementary schools and, you know, she was talking about how they fix stuff, you know, at, at school, you know, for the kids and try to make it flavorful and everything and nutritious and whatever, and they're throwing away the food. And and that's a lot of food wasted. That's a lot of money wasted. And, and you know, that's going to impact the child's health when they become adults, you know. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. So. It's definitely going to impact their health. I, um, again, we've, we've catered to hundreds of thousands of students over the course of years. We've been doing it since uh, 1999. And it's been it's interesting i've uh, again a lot of the schools they would ask i want something healthy something really really healthy for the kids we will prepare these uh, like a like a cold pasta primavera which is a wonderful salad primavera with multicolored noodles broccoli cauliflower carrots uh you add in uh, artichoke hearts and marinated artichoke hearts and then the vinaigrette dressing and then you have seasoning and everything, and uh, uh, you have uh, a fresh, a little bit of fresh basil, touch of fresh uh, oregano, wonderful salad. And the kids would need it. <clears throat> and the reason they would need it because they're not eating that at home. And so I'm, you know, you, I could see my cells uh, from the day before. I mean, from you could see the difference immediately. So when you intersperse these things on a menu. Um, Again, our approach is to try to, I don't know, say trick the kids into eating healthy, but you are, in a sense. You're basically uh, surrounding that plate with items that they like. For example, we'll put in, like I said, the mashed potatoes, which is half mashed potatoes and half uh, cauliflower mashed potatoes. And they can't tell the difference. Honey glazed carrots, the petite organic carrots, but we take uh-huh. them, we ranch them, and then we'll uh, saute them and with a little bit of salt and pepper, a little bit of olive oil, and then we'll put in a glaze, just a little light glaze of honey, and we'll put in there. Give me a dash of brown sugar. And it's not oversaturated with honey, but you're getting that flavor. And honey is good for you in small portions. And so they're getting that honey. They're getting all the different nutrition of the carrots, and it has a sweetness to it. So the kids, are, you know, they gravitate towards that. Even the smaller kids, you know, older kids. So it's a popular item. And then the way in which we roast the chicken tenders and um, we prepare them like that, all of that comes together in a plate so they're having a um, well-balanced lunch, even though, you know, you kind of like, you know, a little bit of (laughs) trickery involved in order to get them to eat this, but they're eating food and it's healthy for them. And that's one of the things that I found in, in feeding uh, students, if you want to have that. One um, recipe I'll just share with you briefly. Okay. It's really, really great for, for a summer, for like a summer evening or any time, is to mm-hmm. do your own stir fry. 
You can make your own stir fry at home. And this I love that. Getting, yeah, eating healthy, and they're starting to enjoy the different food items. And you're, you're teaching your kids about how to eat healthy so that uh, the, the diabetes, which we may have inherited from uh, our parents or grandparents, we're stopping that, that line of, 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 of passing, passing that on to the kids and grandkids. By eating healthy is, is one way that we can certainly lower the risk of getting those deadly diseases. For example, with a, with a variety of different vegetables, you can put in the petite carrots. But I suggest have all these different items uh, already prepared and cut up, your broccoli, you have cauliflower, you have your carrots, you have your sweet onions, you can have whatever type of mushrooms you like. Um, you can put in zucchini, but have it all separate. And it can be fun. It could be a way that you introduce kids into actually eating healthy at home. And they're seeing all the different colors, which is exciting to them. And then you, you have your seasonings on the side, you have your different sauces on the side, and you have your protein, whether it's a, a grilled chicken breast that we spoke about, or you can have a, a, a beef, um, like a filet mignon or some other type of, uh, of steak that you have already set aside, and just a small amount of starch. Um, perhaps rice, you have your uh, white rice, which is already prepared. And basically what you're doing when you're preparing the, uh, and I recommend everyone get a wok. A wok is it's really a wonderful way to um, to make food enhance, to really enhance the flavor of the food because you're cooking it quickly. And so basically, um, you have your wok. You traditionally they will put peanut oil in the wok, which is still good. You know, just make sure no one has an allergy to it. Um, right. You can put a little peanut. Yeah, because peanut peanut uh, peanut allergies are very very severe. Can be very severe. Uh, we uh-huh. use no peanut oil, any type of peanut products or nut products in our school lunch program cooking. So just a little uh, disclaimer. So, but uh, uh-huh. basically at home, if no one has a peanut allergy, you can use peanut oil. Why peanut oil? Because it can burn at a hotter temperature. It can take the heat. Okay. That's why they use it in in uh, Oriental cooking. So you you get that wok really, really hot. Each one of these different uh, vegetables that I mentioned cooks at a different temperature. So you don't want to just take them all and throw them in the pot. You want to separate them according to how they, uh, the temperature that it takes to, for them to cook. For example, uh, broccoli, uh, chill it in cold water. We call it the flash shock it. So the same thing with the cauliflower. So it's still raw, but it's going to cook very a lot quicker than when you put it into the water. So you can cook your cauliflower first, which which is the most most dense um, of vegetables, then your broccoli, and then you can add in you know your onions, your zucchinis, and squash items, for example, are going to cook a lot faster. So you're going to put those in towards the end, the onions in towards the end. You can have uh, garlic already roasted if you wish, or cut very very fine, chopped very very finely. You can add that in towards the end because you don't want to burn the garlic. Uh, you can add some nice uh, fresh ginger, chopped ginger, or they have the minced ginger that mm-hmm. you can get already too. You can add a spoon of that in. 
All of these things, now you have all of your vegetables cooking at different temperatures according to the thickness of the particular uh, uh, vegetable. And then afterwards, you're removing that from the stove, and you're finishing your chicken, julienne slice, along with your beef, whatever temperature you like, grilling it already, but now you're cutting up into slices, and it's just a quick uh, searing into the skillet and um, to get it, you know, completely thoroughly hot. And then put all of your vegetables back in, toss it all together, add in your sauces, a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of teriyaki glaze. Uh, if you want a ginger teriyaki, a little pineapple uh, puree, a uh, little different things you can do to enhance it. And then you take it off the stove, it's ready to go, and you have your wonderful, uh, uh, you can have uh, white rice, you can have brown rice if you wish, or you don't have to have rice at all. And you can actually have a wonderful meal. And one of the good things, too, about being able to stir fry is um, that kind of helps us get away from some old bad habits like overcooking the vegetables, okay? Yes. Uh, which, which I hate. I mean, which on I, some occasions, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I mean, there's some cases where I'm I'm okay with it, but other, you know, Collard for the most part, like you're that. losing your... <laughs> you're losing your nutrients. Okay, you're you're not you're not having it, right? <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. But you know, you can have it with, for example, if you're cooking collard greens. You know, mm-hmm. what what we do is we make the collard greens, and we know we're going to cook them for a long time traditionally. Um, but mm-hmm. you want to take that broth, and you can use that broth in order to you can put it back into it as mm-hmm. part of the actual meal itself. So with the collard greens, for for example, which is one of the most nutritious meals you can you can eat, by the way, um, along with kale, you know, things that mm-hmm. we had when we, you know, that they used to discard. Um, but we can by using that by using that and having a broth and everything, you know, you're getting the nutrients back in. You can save that broth. You can use it as a as a drink. Now they have collard green of of drink. They're mixing collard greens, collard greens in the smoothies and kale in the smoothies. You know, mm-hmm. this is item that we traditionally just use for, um, you know, for cooking. And we cooked it a long time because basically collard greens, uh, collard greens were uh, a weed. They basically mm-hmm. were a weed that was given to us during slave times. You know, and it was a it was a product that was basically. Uh, um, they threw away, and so we cooked it down. We cooked it and made it flavorable, in order to have that nutrition and the you know and the flavor. But uh, it has a tremendous a tremendous amount of nutrition nutritional value to it, and uh, it can be really really good. They have, as a matter of fact, there's recipes that take. We can talk about it on another show, but the recipes that actually take the collard green juice and make it into like different sauces. That they do and add it mm-hmm. back in a different soul so food cooking. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, like the old saying goes, waste not, want not, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Use what you got. Yeah, in a restaurant, yeah. in a restaurant we actually would not uh, throw away anything. We would take the stock, uh, mm-hmm. the ends of the carrots, uh, the celery, the ends of the celery, and that would go into mm-hmm. the stock pot. And you would cook this for hours and hours, and that's part right. of your, your your stock that you're making. So, okay, cool. 
So what you got coming up, Chef George? Well, we have at the CB Bistro, we have this Saturday, Jared Armstrong performing um, uh, live with his band. We also have a Touch the Buffet where we, we're, we're featuring New Orleans-style cooking, real New Orleans-style cooking. We have jambalaya. We have wild caught uh, flounder. Um, I say wild caught because it's healthier for you. And also right. we have a clock of shrimp with that. We have clocks of scallops. There's uh, mac and cheese. There's, speaking of collard greens, we have fresh collard greens with smoked turkey meat. We have um, uh, southern-style uh, fresh green beans, also prepared with uh, smoked turkey meat. There's garlic roasted potatoes. We have grilled wings with a peach uh, glaze. Um, it's a lot of different food items on the menu. It's a great set. It's indoors. We normally are indoors now, but we're just indoors because of the heat. Um, nice, cool air, and uh, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful evening. All right. That sounds good. I'm going to have to put that on my calendar for sure. Chef George, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate you being here with us. It's always a pleasure, B. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a blessed day. You too. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. I wanted to share something with you all before we go to break, um, something I came across in the news, and I really wanted to get in contact with them, but I have not uh, gotten a chance to, to connect yet. But uh, there was uh, a fire in Seminole County at the Apostolic Church of Jesus Fellowship Ministries, um, it, and it was, um, I guess, Monday evening. Uh, and it says, the flames spread throughout the food pantry and destroying the fresh food and multiple refrigerators. So I wanted to share that with you. And like I said, I am going to maybe try to reach out. And, and well, actually, there is a number here I'm going to share with you. This um, I've got from fox35orlando.com. Um, the, they said they're still going to try to help people, um, even though they, they're dealing with the results of that fire. So um, they're saying if you can um, do a donation of any kind, uh, they you know anything would, would help right now. Uh, the person that you need to contact is Deacon James Roll, according to this article. That's Deacon James Roll, and the number that they have for him here is four zero seven seven zero one nine two one two. That's four zero seven. Seven zero one nine two one two, and like I said, I, I, I came across the article, but I mean, I saw the um, the story this morning. I, it felt really, really bad, um, and so just wanted to kind of share this with you, so that uh, if there's anything that you can do to help them, help others, you know, um, please do so. And like I said, this was the um, oh goodness gracious, let me find the name of the church again. Uh, and it's amazing how I can mess that up But I'm going to post this there uh, The Apostolic Church of Jesus Fellowship Ministries um, Also too, you guys are probably aware If you've been keeping up with the stories on national news About uh, Hawaii and all of the burning and the recovery um, Efforts that are going on there um, you know, over 100 people now are, are presumed or are confirmed as, as dead. Um, one of my church members 
uh, is from Hawaii originally, and um, we I talk, got a chance to talk to her at church on Sunday. I have been intending to call her, um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because her phone's been blowing up. She says she actually has had to just leave the phone at home or just put it away somewhere. It's just been a little much, but she said everything's just destroyed. Everything's gone. I know she mm-hmm. makes trips over there uh, quite regularly. I think for a while she was going um, and for like six months stays because uh, of family being over there, and then she would come back, and I think she had a sister that would go over there too. But just wanted to let you know, she says they need everything. They need money, they need water, they need clothes, they need shelter, they they need everything um, right now. So uh, I am going to hopefully um, be able to pull up some information in terms of where you can send stuff, but please also keep them in mind as uh, they're going through an extraordinarily uh, awful time over, over in uh, Hawaii. And uh, so, you know, whatever you can do, you know, people always in need, I know, but, you know, we've come across a couple of extraordinary circumstances, and I just wanted to share those with you in in the hopes that, you know, it will fall upon your heart to help. So we are going to take a quick break. Uh, This is... uh, Black Business Month, August, and so we're going to share some information with you when we come back. And if you have uh, questions or comments, and by the way, if you have uh, things that you want to ask uh, Chef George, and I know I didn't give out the number, but um, if there's a topic that uh, is of interest to you, you know, hit us up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, leave me a message. Um, but also, too, the number here, if you always, you know, you have a question or comment during the show, is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. I um, hope you all are staying hydrated. It is very hot. Not Supposedly not a 100-degree uh, day like yesterday, but uh, it's still hot. But anyway, we welcome you back, and we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Black Business Month and efforts to help businesses um, in the black community. Um, one of the organizations we have here uh, is the Black Business Investment Fund, and Carlin Johnson is joining us today to talk a little bit about uh, events that are going on there. Carlin, how you doing? Uh-oh. Let me see. He was supposed to be on with us today. And so let me just check to see if if, uh, uh, he's going to be able to join us. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And like I said, if you have questions or comments, number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. 
Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the architect. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you chilling? Hey there, welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And um, I don't know what uh, happened to Mr. Johnson, but um, we're going to try to have him back on another day. Uh, anyway, if you have questions or comments, something that you want us to address on the show, uh, please let us know. Um, on. Oh, Mr. Johnson. Hello? Oh my goodness! Yeah, their their mic is open. Um, okay. But, yeah. Hi, who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Jocelyn Boyd, YMCA. Oh yes. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? All right. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I because because I personally thought I had the days mixed up with you um, because I know we were going to possibly try to get you on yesterday, but we had some technical issues. So thanks for joining us. Uh, you're, doing, you're going to talk to us about a swimming program that you have, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, please. Oh, well, <laughs> hello, uh, Jocelyn here. I'm, I work for the Wife Central Florida, and um We've just been really focused. I'll tell you a bit about uh, some of our drowning prevention programs that we have at the Y. Uh, many people may know that uh, the state of Florida leads some drowning deaths um, throughout the country, and so it's a significant a significant issue here in Florida being surrounded by water. I think the critical thing that uh, our Y is focused on in the last few years is how do we provide access to those who uh, may be financially incapable, transportation issues, things like that, because what we're finding is the largest, the vast number of folks that are drowning really are either uh, financially poor, uh, living in communities that don't have much access to swim lessons. So uh, we've really been focused in the Y uh, to make sure that we reach the people that need us the most. So really cool project that we've got going on right now is swim lessons for uh, active older adults, which is our senior population, 65 and up. And, um, We've been offering these free swim lessons throughout the summer. Uh, we have them going at four of our YMCA locations. And really one of the critical pieces is, you know, when you look at children that don't learn how to swim, they turn into adults who don't learn how to swim. And those adults then don't teach their children and grandparents don't teach their grandchildren. So we've really been uh, super focused on how do we start to uh, teach adults, not just children, but teach adults, because we know adults are the greatest teacher and are the greatest influencer of young people. And uh, so we've been running these swim lessons for active older adults. Our longest, our oldest member is 84 years old. And so uh, many of them are uh, of Haitian descent, they're in the African-American community. We know the drowning rates for black children are significantly higher than those of our white counterparts. And so... It is just so uh, 
it's so heartwarming and, and absolutely fantastic that seniors at 80-plus years old are kind of taking the leap uh, to learn to swim. So we are super excited as the Y of Central Florida to be serving in this capacity and, and making sure that we're, we're reaching everyone that needs us. I was just in the pool myself this morning for a little bit, and um, it, it's and I'm not the best swimmer. I mostly swim on my back because, you know, I, I haven't mastered the breathing part when you're, um, yeah. you know. So I, you know, but still, it's just it's. I feel invigorated once I've done it, even if sometimes it's just a walk in the pool or doing some stretching or, or something like that. But um, it is, you know, it is important, I think, that, you know, particularly for the African-American community, that we get past some of the myths and stereotypes and, and other worries such as hair <laughs> and other things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> I know, but you know, the thing is, is, is that what 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 is more important though, your your health or or, or your hair? And I'm saying that the hair isn't important, but you know, I mean, I, I just kind of you, you kind of have to manage it the best way you can. And and I mean, frankly, leaving the pool this morning, going out to the car, I had to I almost ran over someone that was trying to hit on me when I was leaving. Uh, you know, <laughs> bad swim hair and all, you know, but 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 I think it's more of the 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 fact that I I looked healthy, you know, in general, you know, and I think that's important. If you're not, you know, walking all hunched over and you're not in in your, you know, because I think the swimming thing too also work helps with your posture, as well. So, it absolutely you know. does. You know, it helps you with your posture, and as you just stated, it helps with your level of confidence. You feel better. Your body feels better. Um, it has been known that, you know, water aerobics and being in the water is the greatest form of exercise. It's actually much greater, especially as you age, uh, than mm-hmm. trying to get in the gym. And with. It is important, and, you know, you mentioned the hair thing. I, I think another critical piece of what we're doing with the Y is, it's really the educational part, and you mentioned hair, and it, it, it is a myth, and there is so many other options and opportunities and swim caps and things to help preserve and protect uh, black women's hair. But the other part, mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head around what is more important, you know, the safety of your life or your hair. And I think the educational part, the relationship building um, teaching people around how to be safe around water when we live in a state that is surrounded by water is mm-hmm. the most critical piece. So in some cases, you know, hair is an issue. I think the largest barrier is the fear of, of the unknown. We know that as you get older, uh, you become more fearful. There's a sense of awareness that you could actually, you know, die. And so we create a fear, and then we start to create um, excuses or reasons as to why barriers that we kind of put up. And so I think it's really our job uh, as Y professionals to, to walk people through that, you know, and help support them through that journey. Acknowledge that that is that fear. Acknowledge that uh, that is a concern. Acknowledge the hair. We got to acknowledge the hair. But yeah. then how do we work uh-huh. past that? So those are some critical pieces. Yeah, and I'm not saying at all don't acknowledge the hair. All I'm saying is that, you know, you, you, you know what you got to do. You got to go in the pool. You know, I go five days a week, 
you know, and and it's like, okay, uh, in, in terms of the grand scheme of things, in terms of priorities, you know, the, I want the hair to look good, you know, I, I, and I do what I can with it, and I keep going because there's other things to focus on. If the only thing that you're focused on during the day is, a, is about your hair, you're missing out on so many mm-hmm. other things. That's just, that's just my thought. But the thing is, too, I think it's great to have the adult swim classes and actually swim classes, not just the aerobics, but actually swimming. Because, I, you know, one of the things that you all talk about uh, with your uh, classes is that this reduced the risk of accidents. And, you know, adults need to have that confidence in the water and knowledge of the water because kids love the water. I mean, you yes. have a hard time yes. keeping a child away from the water. If you are experiencing discomfort and fear um, being around the water, uh, you're not being a benefit to the children because they're going they're to make their way regardless. If you don't take them, they're going to go with a family member or a friend that's going to probably end up taking them to the pool or to the beach. You need to uh, address it. Well, you know, here's one of the critical pieces. You're right. You know, many of the drowning deaths that we're experiencing this year and young people, they're not, they're happening with an adult present. uh, And many are happening um, with family members, right? And so Mm -hmm. the critical piece of of teaching your child to learn how to swim is that, you know, if you're going to send them with folks, uh, one, you need to double check and make sure that they know how to swim. But the other critical piece is, you know, we have a program called Water Watchers. And it's so important. I mentioned education earlier. It is so important for us to educate that when you are around water, uh, that your job is to be watching the water. You know, sometimes we are, um, many kids, they drown within two to three feet of an adult present, and that's because adults are talking to each other and not watching the water. Mm-hmm. So if there are so many layers to uh, drown prevention um, in our country, and, and one of those layers is a water watcher. And the same way you would have a designated driver if you're going out to hang out. You know, you have a designated water watcher, and that person is responsible to keep an eye and be super focused on what's happening in the water and not standing there talking to each other and having a family reunion um, and having a pool party with no one watching the water. So these are just some critical other pieces that are embedded in our program because it goes so far beyond just the swim lessons themselves because you can know how to Mm -hmm. swim and not be watching the water. And so exactly. we spent a considerable amount. Yeah, we spent, and it's, it's the easiest thing for somebody to forget. You know, you kind of glance over and, uh, and, you, and you check, and you're like, oh, they're good, right? And then you turn back around, and you start in, engaging the conversation. It takes one second for a child to go under. And in that mm-hmm. two minutes that you're saying, every two minutes I'm going to look over, that, that could be the difference between life and death. And so we've just, we're spending that time teaching people around what it means to be a water watcher, campaigning for adults when they're taking children to the pool uh, to ask more questions of the folks that you're sending people with, but then create that, as you said, limit that fear so that when you are there and there is a a tragedy, how do you uh, pull a child out? How do you help and support someone in the safest way? And so there's techniques around doing that as well, not to just jump in the water and try to grab them, but what are some of the strategies and ways that you can actually help to save lives? So it is a much more comprehensive than just swim lessons. It's so many layers of making sure that our children um, are safer 
Uh, and then there's just, you know, we know in our communities there are limited number of pools in black communities. We know that in poorer communities, mm-hmm. oftentimes apartment complexes don't have pools. And so when they find themselves in a body of water, in, in many cases, it's foreign to them. And, you know, as you said, they but they're attracted to it. And so it's so important and valuable that we don't continue to kind of perpetuate the challenges that, that pop up in communities of color and that we do what we can. So we've got a few whys that are populated in some of those areas. And so our focus is really on making sure that we're getting in the community and that we're actually reaching those people who either don't have the access, the financial um, capability, or are just afraid because of generational fear that has been passed down through their families. And I know you have one location, for example, across the street from my church on Hastings near um, Highway 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, like, really glad to see one that is that, you know, that access accessible to um, our community right there. You said there were other locations where you're doing these adult swim programs? Absolutely. So we've got uh, Wayne Dench. That's the Y. It's, it's in Pine Hills on Hastings Street. Uh, that's the mm-hmm. Y we're currently right now, our oldest participant, the 84-year-old is there. Uh, we're doing swim lessons at our South Orlando Y, which is on Oak Ridge, uh, our downtown YMCA that's on Mills Avenue, and then our Roper YMCA, which is out in Winter Garden. So those are the four areas where we're doing the uh, teen and adult swim lessons. But just overall, uh, we we have pushed out over 2,000 lessons across our 14, 15 pools throughout our multiple Y family centers. So we do start the swim lessons at age three, the free swim lessons we're talking about. And so we're mm-hmm. from age three all the way up to adult. So there's, there's so many ways that uh, if you're an adult, there's an opportunity. If you've got a teenager, there's an opportunity. If you've got a young person, there's an opportunity for you to learn to swim. And so let me ask, with the, well, whatever age you are, do you have to have had some sort of swim lesson before you uh, sign up? And uh, what are there particular, uh, I guess, qualifications or particular uh, physical capabilities that you have to have in order to sign up? No, just bring yourself. It is There is no... Uh, we would actually, you know, prefer that if uh, we suggest that those who do not know how to swim uh, and, and have zero swimming skills take this because the, the program is called Safety Around Water. And so the, the, the comprehensiveness of it is, again, not just about the swimming lessons, but it's how do you become safer around the water. So whether it's life jackets, when you're in a boat, all these other ways and areas in which people find themselves surrounded by water so that, that that program is focused on the swim lessons, yes, but it embeds all these other pieces as well. Um, so there's no qualifications. There's no physical qualifications to that. Uh, each of our pools have chairlifts for those who might uh, have some physical capabilities of, you know, walking down the stairs or climbing into a, you know, overall we're, we're welcoming each and every person from each and every age. Uh, we just want to serve, and we want to serve at the highest capacity and serve in the areas of the greatest need. And how long is, is a lesson? Is there a number of weeks, or how long? What What is the program length? Good question, good question. So it's it's eight swim lessons. There's 30-minute lessons each, and uh, you receive eight swim lessons for that portion. So in some of our cases, we have um, – 
uh, set aside, you know, there's swim ratios for each of those classes. So those are typically about 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes of each and, and eight lessons. So it's pretty flexible. We have lessons that in some cases people who want to go, you know, four days in a row where you'll go for two weeks and, and do lessons for two weeks for eight days. Uh, then we have options where you can go once a week and you can do that for eight weeks. Uh, our highest option and, and probably the most recommended one is twice a week, just so you can create some continuity um, and consistency in the lessons, and, and they're done twice a week over a four-week time period. And how large are your classes? Well, that, you know, that we really focus on um, the ability of those, those children and those adults, so there's a, a short intake. You know, there's just a registration form. Typically, our okay. ratios uh, run from one to four all the way from one to ten. So as you get older, uh, the ability to, to put eight to ten adults who, you know, can move on prompt and understand um, the instructor. So it can go up to mm-hmm. ten people per one instructor, but we typically try to keep it somewhere between six and eight, uh, So just so that everyone has a, a, a really good experience and that they are getting as much time as possible kind of practicing their skills. Okay, good, good, because like, yeah. like you were even mentioning in terms of just uh, in general social scenarios where you have a lot of people in the pool, you know, just trying to keep track of everybody in there and stuff, and and that that's just so crucial. And then the fact that, that they're starting out, you know, taking the lessons, that, you know, you, you want to make sure that, you know, they, they don't get overwhelmed and then they feel comfortable that that there's someone that's readily yeah. a, a available and accessible because, you know, <laughs> you are <laughs> water is not a, a natural habitat for a human, so we, we panic real easy, you know. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. Well, that that's part of yeah. that intake, too, because, you know, people's comfort levels, you know, we have folks that come to us that have had near drownings, um, you know, that have had some trauma around that. And so in those cases, there's, you know, smaller group sizes. The socialization that's in the pool, the relationship building, you know, the confidence Mm -hmm. of of having someone kind of cheering you on as well to say, you know, you can do it. Because we get a lot of that, particularly with our, our senior population, where they are just encouraging each other. And it feels good. You know, they feel good. They feel Mm -hmm. more confident. Um, you know, even in some cases, I'll share that, you know, we were doing water aerobics. One of the reasons that prompted us to do some of the senior lessons is that we, mm-hmm. we do water aerobics at the Y, and we were finding mm-hmm. that a lot of the seniors, although it is probably the healthiest form of exercise, they were opting out due to the fear. So we figured, how about we and give them swim lessons so that then they can have a much healthier, longer life by now uh, removing the fear of doing water aerobics. And water aerobics are typically in, you know, three feet of water. You, you, can, you can stand up yeah. with that fear. It is evident and it is real. And so we've just, we've been really trying wow. to peel back the onion on, you know, what are all the different challenges that people are faced with as to why they don't know how to swim. So it's important to start to get the knowledge base instead of just, you know, making general assumptions that people don't want to learn. People do want to learn. Mm-hmm. They just, there's just so many layers to what's, preventing and barriers uh, that cause them not to want to come to the pool. I'm just surprised when you talk about uh, the stress during water aerobics because when I, in the little bit that I've observed of water aerobics, you know, it just seems to me like, okay, it's it's, uh, aerobics with water and like you said, limited 
you know, amount of water in terms of, you know, things, you know, being able to, to in my opinion, safely lift your leg or safely move your arm or, or maybe even do a mild squat or whatever. But you're saying that, that there's even anxiety in just doing the aerobics in the water, which I, I'm found, I find surprising. So, You know, absolutely. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a roundtable with some of our seniors to kind of just talk about their journey, you know, and how they got here, why they're here now. And uh, some of those fears, you know, we had a ton of our our members that grew up in the South, um, mm-hmm. and they expressed the concerns and the fear that they have. When, you, when you're talking about an 84-year-old and you consider the year in which they were born in the climate of the country in 1939, mm-hmm. but, and, and I'm sure you can imagine what that, what that entire experience feels like. And so yeah. these are just, just generations of trauma and fear that has just continued and continued and continued. And in some spaces, they had never actually expressed or even thought about where the fear came from. And so uh, we were just so intrigued by some of their willingness to jump in the water and to learn. And a lot of that came because they, they trusted us. They were already in our facility. Um, but we sat down and we talked to them and we asked them some questions because we really wanted to know, because I think it's important to understand the historical context of why in our communities and why within the black community and culture, um, why this is such a challenge and where it came from. And so, you know, hearing those stories of near drowning, um, you know, while they were uh, picking cotton or working the fields and their only source was to to go to the river to drink water and just all of these stories that, that came up and how, you know, a few people stepped too far into that river and they drowned and what that trauma meant for them just based off the climate. Uh, but then the, the limited access that they had, they were told that they could not swim. We were told that if we learned to swim, we would, we would drown because of our body weight did not allow us to float. So there's just so many mm. things and so much historical wow. context in our community that I that we've got to really overcome. We've got to address it. We've got to overcome it. You mentioned the hair thing. That is another prevalent one as well. So we just <laughs> got to keep working at it to get people to understand. I mean, because it is a real thing. I, I mean, I was there before at one point, too, and I didn't learn to swim uh, until I was in my 30s, and it was when I moved to Florida, and I realized how significant it was that it was important for me, but I didn't learn to swim, and my parents didn't know to swim, and my parents were born in Mississippi. So not only did I have an opportunity to talk to uh, you know, that was coming from that community, but it, it allowed me to kind of self-reflect on my own journey and my own familial journey and how I got to 35 years old before I took the plunge. And, and to be honest, if I never worked for the Y, I probably would still be an individual that didn't know how to swim. I'd be in the same boat. Wow. That is something. I'm glad you're sharing this. It's important. It really is. Um and you know the fact the fact that the seniors are a, are willing to go out and, and even at, at age eighty four and and take a chance and and learn something new and beneficial is really um, gratifying. It's, it's really uh, amazing what you guys are doing. So, are you possibly expanding this program to other wives? Well, so the, the, the reason that the lessons are free is that we wrote a, a, a number of grants to be able to offer this. Normally, swim lessons, you know, it has a nominal fee. Our fees are pretty 
uh, pretty low, but the grant itself was written for those four areas. And we, we tried to focus on areas where we had the highest population of seniors, you know, within a, a five, ten-mile radius of our YMCAs. So that was one of okay. the strategies as to why we did it. Uh, I do anticipate next year that we're going to expand. This was year one of doing uh, teen and adult lessons. Typically, our free swim lessons are focused on ages 3 to 12. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, as I said earlier, as we started to dig more deeply into what are the challenges is when we started to realize that, you know, that's because if you didn't learn at a young age, you wouldn't learn as an adult, and they are the influencers. So this year was our pilot. Uh, to start to offer these free programs for adults and for seniors so that then they can influence the younger generation. So uh, for 3 to 12, um, I know we're not spending a lot of time talking about them today, but 3 to 12, all of our YMCAs are offering these swim lessons. Each one of those Ys have grants to provide those lessons. But when you okay. get to the senior and adult population, it's just at those four sites. Okay. And do you have to be a regular Y member in order to take advantage of the lessons? Absolutely not. It is it is open to the community. Um, all you have to do is, you know, there's plenty of information on our website. Uh, call the YMCA to the closest Y that you're, um, that you're closest to, and we'll take care of you. But, no, it is not a mandate. We actually encourage community members because we know that uh, everyone is not a member of the Y. This is not a member benefit. This is a community benefit. Good, good. So when do your next round of lessons start? How far in advance do you have to sign up? All of that type of stuff. What I would recommend if anyone is interested is to call the Y, only because each of our pools are, you are a part of association, but we have aquatic staff at, at different, each one of them. And so we kind of create all of our own scheduling um, around okay. that. We do have some sessions that are going to start uh, in September, right after Labor Day, uh, we currently just launched another senior group. We we had our first one at the, the Pine Hills on Hastings. Uh, they graduated last week, and we started oh, a new wow. group uh, this week, and then we'll have another group in the next four weeks. So it's, it's probably in best interest for anyone to, to call us at 407-855-9622. And, and then that way they can just get to the, the family center that is the closest to them, that Y branch that's closest to them, and then they can figure out which which time and the timing of it all. Executive Director Jocelyn Boyd with the YMCA um, talking about the free swim lessons that are available to seniors and, and lessons that are available to everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Really appreciate you um, joining us and giving us the information and, and the work that you all are doing. And I wish you all very much success going forward and getting those grants and getting other people on board. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. Have a great day. You too. Have a blessed day. And thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Tomorrow, Tech Thursday with Burton Kelso. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>